0: This is Talkback, 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309.
1: This is News Talk KGVO, AM 1290 and 98.3 FM. KGVO missoula's news and weather station
2: hey welcome welcome back ladies and gentlemen it is the hour number two of the friday edition of Talk Back, brought to you this morning by harrington surgical supply where their mission remains the same to restore confidence and comfort into your daily life gomers u.s diesel parts and accessories no matter how cold gomers has everything you need to make sure your rick starts every time if the weather does get cold again Uh, they're located at palmer and west broadway phillips janitorial both the home and business cleaning they do it all and give them a call today at 406-260-6617 because no job is too big or small. Also brought to you this morning by Y West Storage, located out at the Y on Two Smokes Way. If you need uh, uh, some storage units, give them a call at 406 510 zero five nine zero because of why west they're making room for you the views and opinions expressed on talkback are not those of the staff management or advertisers hey welcome back everybody good to have you along and this being friday first of all say hello to nick questions and over there are our, our producer good morning nick morning and joining us on the phone right now as she always does i uh, uh, in the nine o'clock hour county attorney kirsten pabst kirsten good morning
1: well good morning nick good morning peter We had a very busy week this last week in the office. We charged 22 new criminal complaints, um, and we've already charged 74 for the month of January, closing that out higher than ever, uh, fortunately. Um, Five of those cases involved... Family member assault type charges. Three were partner family member assault, third or subsequent offense, which is a felony. Two strangulation cases, um, as well as an assault with a weapon. In the non-family category, we charged exploitation of an older, elder, sorry, older person. In that case, the victim was a victim of theft. Um, The defendant was allegedly an overnight caregiver. Um, We also charged sexual assault of a child. And then moving into the endangerment category, there were six um four of those involved felony DUIs, fourth or subsequent offense, um one involved criminal endangerment and the last one involved both felony DUI and criminal endangerment and impersonation of a public servant like we had last week. In this case again the allegation is that the person pretended to be an FBI agent. Um in the property category there were two new felony cases both involved stolen cars five new drug cases, and in the administrative category, we charged an adult with truancy for failing to um, um, make the child that she was responsible for go to school. Um, And and we don't charge that, that's a tool in our toolbox that we don't use a lot, but when it gets to be pretty extreme, sometimes we have no other alternative. Um, Kids between the ages of 7 and 16 have to go to school. They can't miss more than nine days a year unexcused or 54 periods in a year. We also have going on today an inquest in Ray, the matter of Gary Duncan. Mr. Duncan died during an incident at the Clinton market. He was allegedly threatening to harm another person in there. Law enforcement had to intervene. And so um, a a coroner's jury will be seated today to hear the facts of that case.
2: All right. Kirsten, thank you so much. We appreciate your, your, your report. Thanks for putting it together and sharing that with us every Friday. We appreciate it, Matt
1: you're very welcome. Stay
2: safe. And the same to you. Thank you so much. With that, we're going to take a little break. Come right back. We will continue our conversation with Dr. John Lott with the Crime Prevention Research Center. Uh, Joe's been waiting very patiently all the way through the break, so we'll get his call when we return after this timeout. Dennis Bragg checking the forecast from the Townscore Weather Center. Some rain returns to the outlook today with possible freezing rain in northwest Montana and over the passes early, up to an 80% chance of rain Friday night with freezing rain in the valleys and then rain and snow on the passes Saturday. Snow levels will be back down below 3,500 feet by Saturday night so we could see some light snow in the valley Sunday morning with a potential for several inches of snow on the passes. Highs back we'll into the, the mid-30s, lows in the 20s this weekend. Hey, we are back on TalkBack. 721-1290 is our number or 1-800-568-5309. Once again, we are privileged to have Dr. John Lott joining us here in the studio this morning. uh President, founder of the Crime Prevention Research Center. And he's here to answer your questions this morning. Uh, Nick Christensen over there producing TalkBack, waiting to take your phone calls as well. And Joe has been waiting very patiently all the way through the break. You have another question, Joe. Go ahead. Thank you. I understand
3: there was a guy that was charged with uh, carrying a firearm while he was intoxicated at the Mo Club, is it? Uh, Impersonating a federal officer. But that to me is, I don't know if the uh, legislation or the law that uh, made that a crime uh, was involved with brandishing or brandishment. Could you talk about the difference between brandishing and brandishment? And I guess it makes me wonder, you know, like, let's say somebody points a gun at me. Uh, can I shoot him <laughs> you know, or do you have to wait till he fires the gun at me first uh,
0: um, Well, but, I mean yeah. uh, I'm not sure there's a difference between brandishing and brandishment but the but in any case uh, there's obviously pointing a gun at anybody kind of violates kind of the most basic rule of gun safety uh, but you know generally the rule is what a reasonable person would think in that situation and, uh, uh, you know, so if a reasonable person in that situation would view themselves, uh, you know, not necessarily just you, but would a reasonable person there view that as a danger, as a threat to them, uh, then you have a right to be able to go and defend yourself. And you can defend yourself proportionately to the risk that's there. So if somebody's threatening to hit you with the fist... Uh, if, you know, unless you think it's going to kill you or something like that. You don't have the right to just go and kill somebody. Uh, you can't go and shoot somebody in the back when they're running away, when they're no longer directly threatening you at that point. Uh, but you have to kind of use common sense there because that's, that's the bottom line rule there in terms of reasonableness. Now, uh, Montana, as well as most other states, uh allow you to don't you know don't require that you have to retreat as far as possible to be able to go and defend yourself. Uh and but again you have to go and use a reasonable person test there uh for determining whether or not you're facing a real threat.
3: What about the alcohol?
0: Well uh you know it, it varies a lot by state uh there. You know some states uh won't let you drink anything at all. Uh, others, it's going to be similar to driving that, uh, if your blood alcohol is above point zero eight, uh, then you're considered drunk. And if you're carrying a gun, you can get arrested, uh, for, for doing that just as you can for driving a car if you're legally intoxicated.
2: Because either way, it's a weapon. Yeah, it's a
0: weapon. That's right. And, you know, <clears throat> um, some states, uh, it's like 40 states, allow you to be able to carry uh, a permanent concealed handgun or a concealed handgun in establishments that get more than 50% of their revenue uh, from uh, serving alcohol. Uh, But, you know, even in those states, some of them, you have to be like the designated driver and you're not allowed to drink at all. uh, Tennessee would be an example of that. Uh, And others... Uh, you know, it's the 0.08 or whatever the blood alcohol level is uh, to kind of determine whether you're drunk or not.
2: Anything else, Joe?
3: Oh, I can't
2: think of anything else right now. <laughs> okay. So. okay. Thank well, so, you. Joe, thank you for the call. We appreciate it. 721 1290. All the phone lines are open. If you have a question for Dr. Loft, that's why he's here to answer your questions. But uh, I, 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 I like the headline here that you, you, you gave to us. It says, everyone wants to stop these attacks. Let's do something that actually works. And so I, I know that you, you've done so much research into this. So we'd love to hear your, your thoughts.
0: Right. Well, that, op-ed piece uh basically came after a report that the uh Biden administration just put out a week or so ago on the Uvalde school shooting um uh, they had a 500 and some page report as far as I could tell it was really nothing new in there that wasn't already in the state of Texas's report that was released uh about nine months ago uh You know, basically, they're blaming the uh, police department for not properly responding. And I think there's something to be said about that, though. I would have armed the teachers uh, in that school. Forty percent of the schools in Texas have armed teachers. Unfortunately, Uvalde was not one of those. But in any case, uh, Biden used the uh, time that for that report being put out to go and list uh, three other gun control laws that he wanted to have. One is universal background checks. This is kind of what we started the program off today on with these background checks on private transfers of guns. And uh, in, in my response, and it fits in with what you just read, was, okay, uh, would it have stopped the Uvalde school shooting? And the answer is no. Uh, and I wish somebody in the press would have asked you know, the administration, you know, okay, this is your number one solution after you release the Uvalde school shooting. Would it have stopped this attack? No. Well, why are you proposing it then now? Would it have stopped any mass public shooting this century? The answer would be no. And then the thing is, why do you keep on putting this up as like your top solution after we have these mass public shootings? I want to do something too, but I want to do something that actually matters on this stuff. And to me, I look at it and We've looked at all the school shootings in the United States from uh, uh, 2000 on. uh, Anything from an accidental discharge all the way up to a mass public shooting. And um, you have 20 states that allow teachers and staff to carry. Montana is one of them, but only a few schools have it here. Uh, There are other places in the country where you have like Utah and New Hampshire, where if a teacher has a concealed carry permit, they can automatically carry Uh, You know, there are other states like Texas where 40% of the schools or Oklahoma where about 40% of the schools have armed teachers and staff. And the thing is, you have many thousands, probably over 10,000 schools that allow teachers and staff to carry. There has not been one attack where anybody's been wounded or killed at any public school that has teachers and, and staff carrying all the attacks, every single one where anybody's been wounded or killed, have occurred in places where they're banned from having guns. And the question you have to ask yourself is, do you want a, a sign in front of the school that says this school is a gun-free zone? Or do you want a sign in front of the school that says, warning, select teachers and staff here are caring and will use guns to protect others? Now, one criticism I have of a lot of conservatives who go and want to hire one Uniform police officer to be in a, a school is, you know, would you, you know, we have our, we have air marshals. Would you have air marshals in uniform? Presumably not. I don't know anybody that would want to have an air marshal in uniform. And the answer is why. And the, it's clear you would tell the terrorist who they have to worry about, who they have to take the out first person
2: to take out, right. right?
0: Right. And the same thing if you have somebody in uniform. If you're going to have an officer at school, please. Don't put them in uniform. Please make them a regular staff member or something so that they're not readily identifiable as the person that's there. Because otherwise, you give huge tactical advantages to the people who are doing the attacks. They can either wait for the officer to leave the area before they attack, or they can move on to another target themselves. Or if they're going to attack there and they know that the officer is the only person that's armed, as Peter just said, who do they take out first? You know, they take that person out first and then they have free reign to go after other people that are there. And so, <clears throat> you know, it, um, uh, you know, I want to do something. And I wish I wish the media there are a couple things. One is when people like Biden come out with these types of things, I wish they'd say, well, would it have stopped this last shooting that we're talking about? The other thing uh, that I wish that they would do once in a while is mention that these mass murders like Uh, the Covenant school shooting uh, in Nashville last year, make it clear why they pick the targets that they do. I want someone to provide me with a benign explanation for why it isn't newsworthy for the media to ever talk about why these guys pick the targets that they do. I mean, here, the Nashville school shooter, apparently uh, their first target was the Greenfield Mall uh, there in Nashville, but they decided not to do it because people were carrying guns there. So they knew they'd be too risky. Apparently, they picked the school because it was a soft target that they didn't have to worry about somebody being able to go and stop them. The police chief, they still have, the Biden administration has taken the, the manifesto there. They still have not released the manifesto, uh, which is incredibly unusual. Um but the Nashville police chief, before he turned it over to the Biden administration, read it and had a press conference the very day of the attack pointing out that this person had picked this target because it was a gun-free zone. I, I don't know. Maybe somebody in the news media can give me an explanation for why that's not newsworthy. Because the national media didn't cover that part of the the police chief's statement that was there. And it happens over and over again at our website at crimeresearch.org, we have a list of many of these manifestos and, and diaries where these killers make it clear, and the media never, never discusses that.
2: We're going to come right back. Phone lines are open. You have a question for Dr. Lott. That's why he's here to talk with you. And uh, we'd love to get, get those phone lines all full up at 721-1290 or 1-800-568-5309. Or, of course, you can use the KGVO app as well. We're coming right back.
1: Need to replace your social security card? In most states, you can request one online with a My Social Security account. A My Social Security account gives you secure access to your personal earnings history and benefit status. You can also get a proof of income letter, estimate and apply for benefits, and more. Save time. Go online. Open a My Social Security account at ssa.gov slash my account. Social Security. Securing today and tomorrow produced at u.s taxpayer
2: expense we are back on talkback seven two one twelve ninety. 1290 that's the number phone lines are starting to light up uh, dr john lott joining us here in the studio this morning from the crime prevention research center and uh, jeff is waiting to talk with us jeff good morning you're on talkback what's on your mind sir hey
4: good morning good
2: morning go ahead go uh, ahead go ahead jeff
4: Yeah, um, you you gave us one example about uh, Senator Tester uh, uh, voting to approve the, uh, I believe it was a BATF uh, director, and as one instance of something he has done that affects our Second Amendment rights. Do you have a a list of those, of his (laughs) votes taken either recently or over his tenure, that have uh, resulted in things that have worked against those of us, who want to protect
0: the second amendment well i mean over the last few years uh you've had a lot of judges uh that have been put on the bench and they've been put on the bench with many times party line votes i mean uh he voted for uh justice jackson on the supreme court who very strongly doesn't believe that there's an individual right to self-defense versus uh you know let alone be able to go and defend yourself with a gun um uh, but, uh, you know, these administrative rules that are coming down, uh, he's responsible for them uh, because he voted for the bureaucrats that are in, in office now who are putting out these rules. So, you know, you have the zero tolerance policy uh, from the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco and Firearms, which is literally as of the middle of last year, put thousands of gun dealers out of business for tiny paperwork mistakes, you know, trivial ones. Uh you know there's one example recently uh in North Texas where a licensed dealer had um 15 and 16 I guess it's 16 and 17 years ago now had uh the guy had dyslexia he had transposed two letters uh in uh in one word each in each of the uh forms that were filled out uh trivial things uh nobody was confused about anything Uh, The Obama administration, which was hardly sympathetic to gun owners, looked at it, said that it was a mistake, fined him, and closed the books on it. He's made no other paperwork mistakes in all the intervening 16 years. And uh, the the Biden administration couldn't find anything, so they went back and reopened those two cases and took away his license to be able to go and sell guns. And they're doing that to thousands uh, of gun dealers. Well... The reason why they're able to do that is because of uh, the person that Tester voted for uh, to be head of the Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives. But, you know, you look at these judges, uh, these federal judges around the country, which are upholding different types of gun control laws and and slow walking them. He voted for these guys uh, time after time. He consistently has supported uh, those judges that are there. I mean, that's probably... You know the most direct thing to see the impact of uh, of uh, on the Second Amendment. So, you know, with regard to the the rules on the uh, transfer of guns now, that you're going to have to become a licensed dealer yourself or find a licensed dealer if you want to go and give a gun or or sell a gun to anybody. Um, you know, uh, he could he could try to rectify that problem, and the way he would do that is. Congress has the ability to go and, uh, and and overturn regulations. They have like a 90-day window after the regulations are released to go and do it. Now, my guess is the House will vote to overturn it. Uh, but, you know, they're going to need to have Democrats on there. And, and, and Tester, because the Senate so evenly divided, has a lot of power. I mean, he could go and tell the Biden administration – you know, you, you can't do these types of crazy rules that are there. They're making it very costly, disarming lots of law-abiding citizens out there. But, you know, whether, you know, the people around here in Missoula go and call up his office and tell him, look, uh, these are crazy regulations. Where do you stand on this? Are you, you know, you voted for the guy who's put this in, in effect are you going to go and, and lead the charge to overturn these regulations? Because the Senate and the House can do that if they want to. Uh,
4: great, great answer, and I appreciate it. One of the things you said early on uh, struck me, though, you said that uh, Justice Tanji Brown-Jackson right. doesn't believe in your right to self-defense of any kind.
0: And she doesn't believe that there's a, a fundamental right to self-defense. She strongly doesn't wow. believe... I mean, she's only had a couple uh, gun-related cases right now. And you can listen to... You can go and get a copy of the oral arguments recently in the Rahimi case and stuff like that. But uh, she has very strong views. I mean, I, I, look, all the Democrats on the Supreme Court, uh, Sotomayor and Kagan. Kagan's a little bit more reasonable. But... Um, all you know, all the Democrats on the Supreme Court, even Breyer when he was on there, uh, have made it clear over and over again: if they have a chance, if the Democrats get a majority on the Supreme Court, uh, they will vote to overturn uh, the Heller, McDonald, and Bruin decisions. There's like no question; they they view this as an open decision. And any time in the future that Democrats get a majority on the Supreme Court, which Could happen in the next administration, given the ages of of Thomas turning 80 and uh, and uh, Sam Alito turning 78 uh, during the next administration, uh, that they could do that.
4: Well, I certainly hope that whoever uh, John Tester's uh, Republican opponent is will uh, consult you for uh, maybe some campaign ads and uh, flyers and different things.
2: Hey, listen, Jeff, thanks for the call. We appreciate it. And we're going to come right back. We have Harry waiting very patiently to visit with Dr. Lop When we come back, uh, phone lines are open. Uh, we, uh, we have Harry waiting, but uh, there's plenty of room for you. You have a question or comment for Dr. John Lopp at the Crime Prevention Research Center. We'd love to hear from you. Back right after this getting ready for- hey welcome back to talk back all right our number 721 1290 and joining us here in the studio this morning dr john lott he's the uh, president and founder of the crime prevention research center located uh, headquartered right here in missoula and harry has been waiting through the break harry thanks for your patience you're on talk back please go ahead
3: hey john uh couple comments first just on the supreme court decisions they're obviously all open because they've proven that there's nothing that sticks it just depends on who's in charge and as for uh, school shootings um it seems to me that the vast majority are done by kids that are actually gone to that school or are going to that school but uh, my question to you though is completely different uh well have you done anything t- seen about like uh letting felons uh, get back their rights to own guns. I mean, to me, it seemed like that's a good slippery slope argument because I can see. I don't uh, understand why other states haven't done it that are want more restrictions. Why they say, well, if you have so many misdemeanors, you ha- lose your rights because you can't say you haven't had due process. You know, and by having more than say two or three misdemeanors, you're showing that you have no, re- you disrespect the law. You don't, uh, you know, can't follow the law. So, uh, I mean, to say that, well, because you can take away felons' rights, why can't you take away misdemeanor? You know. Uh, repeat misdemeanor offenders rights too
0: well there are states that take away in federal law that take away people's ability to own guns uh for various periods of time uh if they have misdemeanors i mean you can be denied if you have a misdemeanor a, a number of states will deny you getting a concealed carry permit for example for maybe five years or something like that uh obviously if you have a, a domestic violence misdemeanor, uh, you lose your right to own a gun for the rest of your life. Uh, so there are a lot of variants there. One, one thing that most people probably don't understand is that uh, there were no prohibitions on even felons uh, having guns up in t- the first state to do so was California in the 1920s. Uh, and it very slowly caught on with other states. Obviously the federal prohibition uh, didn't go into effect till 1968. Um, so, you know, for the vast majority of our nation's history, felons of any type, uh, weren't prohibited from being able to go and own guns. Um, and, uh, you know, now there's been some debate, uh, in the courts about whether or not, uh, you could ban somebody who doesn't have a violent type felony. You know, so like, I may have a felony for, uh, antitrust violations or, uh, you know, some other type DUI. of, some kind of a fraud type situation. Yeah, right.
3: Multi DUIs, multi DUIs. I mean,
0: well, I mean, I don't know, maybe that's a risk of violence or something like that. Maybe somebody could go but and I'm argue right, that. But
3: have, have you been, have you been fighting that to get those old laws overturned, especially the uh, federal?
0: No, I mean, just the I, mean I, I... They can
3: I, take away felons, a uh, felon's right. Once you ought to, you've done your time, shouldn't you be able to, uh... So you to what get I
0: rights back? Okay, what what I do is I do empirical work. Okay, I'm not. I don't argue Second Amendment type things. That's not my bailiwick. Uh, what I try to figure out are things that I can measure in terms of the impact on crime. And most of these rules, like from 1968, are kind of before we have good data to go and test these types of things. Uh, surely the state rules from like the 1920s or 40s or 50s are too early to go and do uh, good good empirical work with, and so I I try to limit myself to things that I can go and measure. If somebody wants to go and argue, uh, I'm just telling you, a- Amy Coney Barrett, when she was on the Seventh Circuit, uh, there was a case out of Wisconsin uh, about whether a guy could be prohibited from owning a gun because he had, a, it may have been like a tax, uh, felony that he had. And, uh, she was in the minority. The other two ju- judges on the, uh, circuit court said that, uh, uh, a nonviolent felony was enough to prevent somebody from owning a gun. She argued otherwise. And, uh, you know, we'll see. I mean, the Rahimi case that was just heard and uh, at the end of last year uh, might provide a, a window into whether the court, how the court views that. As Would old. you
2: mind giving us a, just qu- a quick uh, synopsis of the Rahimi case? What was that about?
0: Right, the Rahimi case. Uh, <clears throat> actually, we we talked about this before on the show, but uh, you know, it's one of these cases where a bad case can make bad law. You have a guy who was a really bad guy. I mean, he uh, had been arrested multiple times, had shot at people, had beaten up people. Uh, He was a drug dealer. Uh, And what happened was um, he beat up a girlfriend. And uh, rather than prosecuting him for all these violent crimes, the prosecutor basically uh, had a restraining order put in against him uh, with regard to the girlfriend. And that restraining order... Uh, which was a civil case, uh, was barred him from having a gun. Of course, big surprise, a drug dealer, he continued to go and get guns and continued to go and shoot at people, and so he had that violation that was there. And the question before the court was whether or not uh, a civil case where there's not even a hearing, he didn't even have a hearing, he didn't even have a lawyer to represent him, uh, would be sufficient to go and take away uh, a person's gun. Uh, or do you have to have some type of you know felony or criminal conviction that you were talking about it could be a misdemeanor to take away a person's guns rights and so that's the issue before the court and and the and the problem is is that everybody everybody believes that this is a bad guy everybody believes that this guy uh, should have not had access to guns uh, Of course you know the notion that you're going to stop a drug dealer from getting a hold of a, a gun is about as likely has stopped him from getting a hold of illegal drugs to be able to go and sell um but you know here you have a situation where uh everybody want doesn't want him to have a gun the question is why not prosecute him for all these other crimes that were there and then that would have taken away his gun rather than going and using uh this uh, restraining order to ban him from having guns where He didn't have a lawyer present and he didn't even have a hearing uh, where he lost the rights to do that. And so that's, um, uh, you know, that's going to be the because it's optically, you know, you can just imagine if the judges say, okay, uh, you couldn't take away his guns. You know, the media is just going to go crazy on something like that.
2: OK, does that help you out, Harry? Yeah, bye. Okay, oh, yeah, thanks for the call. We're going to come right back. 721 is our number, 1-800-568-5309. Phone lines are clear. And uh, also, if you have a, a question, you can also use the KGVO app. So we'll be right back.
1: The Library of Congress invites you to visit the revamped Veterans History Project website, where firsthand accounts shared by U.S. military veterans are accessible to the public. Performing a search of the collection is easy. First, go to loc.gov vets. Click Explore the Collections. Scroll down to search the VHP collections and click. Make sure you're searching this collection, and with simple keywords, you can find what you're looking for. Visit loc.gov slash vets today.
4: Meet Ed, movie buff,
2: animal lover, safe driver.
3: Five years of driving an ambulance teaches you a thing or two. If people knew what I know, lives could be saved. When I see a car trying to rush past a turning bus, I get concerned. You see, when big vehicles turn right, they have to swing wide to make the turn. And that's a lesson you don't want to learn the hard way. When trucks and buses turn, let's you and I wait. It's,
4: it's our roads. roads. It's, it's our, our safety.
3: safety.
2: Visit www.sharetheroadsafely.gov. We are back on TalkBack. Phone lines are open, by the way, if you have a question or a comment for Dr. John Lott, uh, president and founder of the, uh, of the Crime Prevention Research Center. CrimeResearch.org is Uh, the name of the website so if you have a question phone lines are open for you now one thing that we were just uh, tossing around during the break is another uh, idea from the biden administration is something called red flag laws so if you wouldn't mind just jumping into that for us
0: sure yeah well this is after the uvaldi report came out biden had three things we talked about the first one the background checks on the private transfers of guns the second Ranked proposal for him was these red flag laws where, um, you know, if somebody is a danger to themselves or others, you know, you can go and put in a written complaint to a judge. The judge, all the judge sees is the claim that you're making. Uh, he doesn't talk to the person who made the complaint. He doesn't talk to the person who the complaint's made about or any witnesses. Uh, and based on that written complaint, he'll make a decision whether or not to take away somebody's guns. And then maybe within a month, uh, there'll be uh, a hearing uh, at that point. Um, the thing is, we already in Montana and all 50 states already have better ways of dealing with something if somebody is a danger to themselves or others. And it's called civil commitment type laws. And so if you think somebody's a danger to themselves or others, what happens is you call up the police, the police come out. And if the police think that there is a reasonable probability, which is like a 20 percent chance that the person is, in fact, a danger to themselves or others, the police can take them in for a psychiatric evaluation. Uh, Depending upon the state, it's anything from 24 to 72 hours. Pennsylvania is the one outlier at 104 And the person will go and be evaluated by two or three mental health care professionals. And if the mental health care professionals agree that the person is, in fact, a danger to themselves or others, uh, there can be an immediate hearing. And if you can't afford a lawyer, one will be provided for you. And then there's cross-examination of evidence, and a case will be presented. And then the judge, if the judge thinks that there's a uh, a preponderance of evidence— that you are, in fact, a danger to yourself or others, then the judge has a whole range of options. What the judge can do is he can go and say, look, I'm concerned, but I'm not, you know, if you tell me you're going to go and see a mental health care professional, uh, we'll come, have you come back in a week or two and we'll evaluate what's going on. Or if he thinks the guy might drive his car through a parade or harm, he can take away the driver's license or he thinks he may harm somebody. Otherwise, you can take away their guns, or in the most extreme case, the person can be involuntarily committed. Um, but you know, there you're involving mental health care professionals in the process if you really think somebody's a danger to themselves or others. And um, uh, you know, and also if you can't afford a lawyer, one's provided, and evidence is cross-examined. I've talked to lawyers involved in these red flag cases. You're talking about something like $10,000 for a hearing. Wow. The only thing that happens to you if you lose is your gun is temporarily taken away. You may want to have your guns, but is it worth $10,000? And what happens is almost nobody who goes through the process hires a lawyer to go and do it. And so, you know, you're up against a lawyer on the other side. You're representing yourself. Uh you know, there are all sorts of problems with this. And uh, I think it's just one way the gun control advocates, you know, we talked earlier, they just want to make it costly and difficult and easy to take away people's guns for protection. And just, you know, I I wish uh, people would kind of understand what already laws were on the books, because it's not like people haven't try to think about these types of problems before
2: now is is that is that really subjective uh uh a, a term a, 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 you pose a harm to yourself or others is that subjective or is there an objective you know one two three list laundry list of things that this is what we're looking for
0: right well i mean under red flag laws it's extremely subjective because all you do is have this written statement so you can go and say I feel threatened by somebody, okay? Uh, I have a a friend of mine, uh, Andrew Pollack, who lost his daughter in Parkland uh, school shooting, Meadow. And uh, Andy just couldn't stay around Florida because too many memories. So he moved all the way across the country to rural Oregon. And uh, uh, about the same time he moved in, a couple neighbors people moved in who are his neighbors who were from California. And Andy is a very conservative guy and his neighbors were very liberal and they hated him. And, uh, and so uh, they put up uh, uh, essentially red flag, extreme risk protection orders. Uh, the judge just saw the, th- the complaint that they felt threatened by him and, uh, and essentially order put in a protection order. Um, and uh, Andy had his ability to have guns taken away. Uh, there was eventually a hearing on it, and the judge, when they the judge actually had the hearing rather than just the written statement, said, "Look, there's no threat here. Why did you even file this?" Because is- we don't like it, <laughs> right? And so, uh, but one of the things that happened, uh, and then essentially the very day that that case was finally finished. Uh, these neighbors got two other neighbors to go and file similar things. So it was continued again. Wow. And again, he won the, that too. But in this first case, the judge didn't even require that Andy had to even put up any evidence. Just simply listening to the the, the statements from the people who filed, he says, why are you filing? You, you're not even telling me that there's a threat. And so, uh, so, you know, it's just subjectively the way they wrote it up to begin with. And the thing is, uh, living in rural Oregon, I'm sure nobody in Montana can relate to this. There are bears and mountain lions and other (laughs) things around there. And Andy normally uh, carries a handgun with him. Uh, But what happened was uh, there was a mountain lion right next to his house and he was unarmed. Uh, Fortunately, he had his dog with him uh, and his dog uh, was able to get into a tangle with a mountain lion. But... The dog had to have like 50 stitches on its stomach uh, because of the battle that he had with the mountain lion. Wow. But at least he had his dog with him. But, you know, the dog wouldn't have been in trouble if Andy had been able to go and defend himself. But because of the uh, red flag provision there, he was disarmed. All right, Doctor John Lott here with us for about another
2: eight minutes or so. So the phone lines are open. But when we come back, uh we had a chance to to ask Doctor Lott because he travels a lot, and his uh, let, let, let's just say his bags are going to get a lot of use in the next couple of months because he's heading all over the not all, only all over the country but all over the world to testify on these issues. So if you have a question or comment, we'd love to hear from you. Though seven two one twelve ninety. Back in one minute. All right, we're, it's a great slogan, by the way. But we are back on Talk Back. 721 that's our number, and only have about seven and a half minutes left if you have a question or comment for Dr. John Lott. But uh, Nick and I both were, were asking at the outset when he first came in, uh, I know you travel a lot, so t- tell us, you're going all over the
0: world. Yeah, well, I, I mean, the next week or two, I have trips to California and to uh, Washington, D.C., uh, now, what, what are the purpose of these
2: trips? Obviously, people are inviting you uh, right. to, to speak on their behalf because of your expertise.
0: Yeah, that's basically it. Give talks to different groups. Um, more interesting trips, I guess. Uh, after that, I'm supposed to go to Ecuador. Um, they have a big organized crime problem down there and uh, with drug gangs. And I'm supposed to meet with the president of Ecuador, the new president, and, uh, some members of his cabinet. And then, uh, uh, and then in May, uh, I have other talks in the U.S., in April in the U.S., but then in in May, the end of May, I'm supposed to go down for eight days to Argentina, where I'm supposed to meet with the vice president there and to testify before the, uh, Argentina uh, Senate. Now, are you helping them to craft,
2: uh, legislation or to, right. to, to solidify their positions so that when they have opposition, they have, they have good, cogent answers?
0: I guess kind of both. Okay. The, uh, uh, you know, and um, uh, they have new presidents in both Ecuador and Argentina have, have serious crime problems, particularly in Ecuador. Uh, Ecuador is a mess. The president before last uh was a socialist and he disarmed the local police that were there so i don't know what you expect local police officers to do if they're going up against organized drug gangs you know say hi guys so i gave a talk uh to about 200 uh police officers uh, basically ranking uh, uh officers uh when i went to argent went to ecuador this past august and uh one of the things I kept on hearing when I talked to some of the officers afterwards, and one of the things I heard over and over again from them was the saying, uh, "Either take this silver or take a bullet." You know, so it's like, you know, you go in there, you can't really do anything to stop them, so they bribe you just to kind of go and you know not bother you, bother them, and so the amount of corruption in uh, in Ecuadorian police is just like. Rampant. Almost everybody takes uh, the bribes. Uh,
2: almost in every movie that involves something in Latin or South America, there's always corrupt, you know, po- politicians all over the place. And right. is, is that is that uh, truism or is it just, you know, just something on the movies?
0: Well, I mean, I mean, I've been to Mexico. There's huge corruption in Mexico. Uh, the police there. Uh, then they try to get the uh, the army involved, and of course, then they started corrupting the army. Uh, so, you know, you have huge amounts of money involved, uh, and, uh, uh Obrador, the current president in Mexico, uh, seems to be pretty corrupt too in terms of, uh, kind of, and look, it's gotten worse, uh, over the last few years with the Biden administration, the drug cartels, now that they've gotten into human trafficking, they're just rolling. They're just, you know, they've gotten many billions of dollars more money that they're making right now, and they're using that to kind of uh, corrupt the uh, the government down there even more. Um, but, uh, you know, it's... Uh, you know, we could stop a lot of the corruption in Latin America uh, if we legalize drugs in the United States. Um, and... Uh, no, I'm not telling us, we, I'm not saying it's nirvana to do that. I'm just saying that uh, it's because it's it illegal. We take away the profit motive. Right, exactly. Uh, now, we'd have lower prices for drugs, and more people would use drugs, and so you'd have more problems in that way with it. But you wouldn't have, and, and even in the United States, I don't think most people appreciate how much of our violent crime is drug gang related. Um 56% of the murders in the United States take place in 2% of the counties. Uh, and, if you, and if you look at what's called a murder map that will show you where the murders are, almost two-thirds of those murders in those 2% of the counties take place in 10 block areas. Is vi- Murders in the United States are extremely heavily concentrated in tiny areas. 5% of the counties in the United States account for 76% of the murders in the United States. And so you know uh uh you have uh uh you know it's uh, and a large part of it is uh drug gangs. You know, people will hear that uh well over half of murders in the United States are acquaintance murders and you'll think, well, you know, these are people that somehow some have emotional connections with each other. And nothing could be further from the truth. The largest Category of acquaintance murderers are probably rival gang members. It's very common for the members of one gang to know who the members of the other gangs are. Uh, you know, they're on different street corners and stuff like that. This is my territory. This is yours. They know who are the people who are in the various gangs. And so, you know, it's not just Mexico, but Mexico and Ecuador uh, have huge violent crime problems. Uh, Ecuador. Uh, their murder rate two years ago, and I'm sure it's gone up since then, was 26 per hundred thousand. Um, uh, Mexico's is actually a little higher. Just by comparison, ours is about five per hundred thousand, and um, you know it's uh, uh, and it's basically uh, drug gangs fighting against each other. In some of the northern uh, states in Mexico, you have murder rates that are like 110 or 120 per hundred thousand uh you know because that's where the staging areas are for bringing drugs into the united states and they don't like it when they're competing against other people
2: how about some contact information uh, we want to uh, jump on your website look at some of your books things like that
0: sure our website is probably the best place to go and it's at crimeresearch.org crimeresearch.org and as always know people can find my email address there and uh, i'm always happy to hear from anybody and answer their questions working on
2: any new books
0: oh i don't (laughs) know I, i i have 10 books i don't know i probably need to write another one but uh i'm just trying to keep my head above water right, right now with all this stuff.
2: Always a pleasure to be with you. Thank you. No, no, thank Th- you. Thanks for sharing your time and uh, and letting us uh, mine all of your experience. We appreciate that. Okay, so Nick, what's coming up on uh, Monday's fabulous radio program, sir? We'll do open phones from eight to ten. Uh, dur from uh, or sorry, open phones from eight to nine, but from eight ten to eight twenty. We're going to talk with the folks from Fire and Ice about great. Uh, their hockey game. And 9 to 10, we'll have Rob Nadelson. All right, so Rob Nadelson, again, uh, those of you who love Rob, he's going to be with us on Monday from 9 to 10. Get out there and make it a great weekend, everybody. Please drive safely. It's a little slick. And uh, Ace will be back Monday at 6 a.m.